Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. great time camping together and it's been a lot of fun but it wouldn't be complete it wouldn't be complete unless we told a ghost story around the campfire so i'm gonna do that here we go so so a long time ago there was this guy and his wife and and they they heard about these church services and so like they they had this piece of property and they decided to sell it and they made up their minds that what they were going to do is they were going to take the money they made from selling it and they were going to go take it to the church. And, and so they sold this property. But before they, before, when, they, when they went to the bank and they cashed the check and they realized how much money it was, this husband and wife began to talk to each other. And they decided that what, what they'd do is they'd give the offering, but they'd hold a little bit back. And so, so the husband went to the church first and the preacher was there. And, and he walks in and he says, hey, we sold this property. And he gives the offering and it's a lot of money. But the preacher, he suddenly realizes that he didn't give everything he said he was going to give, that they'd held some back. And so all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, the Holy Ghost killed the man right there in church. I mean, just right there in church. And these guys came in, the young guys from the youth group walked in, and they gather the guy's body up, and they take him out, and they bury him. And while they're burying him, the wife shows up. And so this wife, the wife walks in, and, and the preacher asks her, he said, uh, did you sell the property for this much money? And she said, we sold it exactly for that much money. And all of a sudden, he, he said, you know what? You, you and your husband lied. And before, the, before they even got his, bury, his body completely buried, they're right there at the door. They're coming back for you. And out of nowhere, the Holy Ghost killed a woman right there in church. And she died. And, 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 and the, the end. So that's how we approach the Holy Ghost a lot of times. Scary. Uh, Before we jump too deep into this account that I've uh, alluded to this morning, I want to make a couple of statements to you as we begin this uh, series about uh, ghost stories about the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I want to make a couple of statements to you that, that I think we need to understand. The first one is this, is that the stories that we read about the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost in, in New Testament, they're often, they often seem very different from what we experience today. I want to submit to you this morning that uh, the case simply may be that uh, so often the reason it sounds so different and seems so different is because we don't involve the Holy Spirit in our lives like they involve the Holy Spirit in their lives. I'm convinced that we want the results of the accounts we read, but without the power of the Holy Spirit involved in our situation. What we need to understand is that in the early days, in the early church, the early believers uh, were absolutely aware and dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit to make it in daily life, so they involved Him. The second thing I want to mention to you is this, is that uh, the supernatural was natural to them. Uh, we, we are so unaccustomed and we become so uncomfortable and we have so little dependence on the power of the Holy Spirit that the supernatural now often seems odd or weird or even scary. 
I, I would submit to you that infrequency has produced fear. And that's not God's fault. That's our fault. And so those are the things that I need you to understand. I need you to understand that before we go any further, I want to make a declaration. I want you to understand that we need to become so desperate and totally dependent upon the power of the Holy Spirit in our daily lives. that Just like they were in the early days. We've got to come back to that place where we depend on the Holy Ghost for more than just good church services. But for our daily life that we need Him like we've never needed Him before. We need His presence. We need to participate in that presence so that his presence becomes normal again I'm convinced of this we become scared of him when the truth is is that in this day and age we should be more scared without him we need him we need the power of the Holy Spirit so now let's go back uh, to, to this account. This account is uh, an account that I heard when I was just a young man in Acts chapter 5. If you need a reference, that's where we're going to uh, land today. This account was uh, talked about in Acts chapter 5 and I can remember hearing that account and I can honestly tell you that when I heard the account out of Acts chapter 5, it, as a young man, it scared me. When it scared me about, man, I wasn't sure about this Holy Ghost thing. When, when you talk about the fact that he killed this man and killed this woman right in the middle of church service, it was a little bit scary to me. All right, just being honest, uh, especially because the version of Scripture that I heard read, which I'm going to read to you, is Acts chapter 5, verse 11, when it says it like this. It says, great fear, imagine that, great fear gripped the entire church and everyone who heard what had happened. So I understood that, I understood the fear part, right? That, that this was a scary situation, it seemed to be, and I was gripped with fear. But I want to come, I'll come back to that last verse in a minute. But I want to, to, to share some truths with you that I think are going to help you out of this account. And I think one of them is that before we get going too far, we need to understand that uh, probably a better translation for the word there for fear was reverence. Reverence. We'll come back to that in a minute. Uh, the first thing I want you to notice in uh, uh, this account, and I'll read the account to you here in just a moment, is that uh, there, there, there's a difference of opinion about whether this man, his name was Ananias, and his wife, whose name was Sapphira, were believers or unbelievers. Some, some believe that they were part of the church. Some believe that they were outsiders trying to break into the, to the, the click, the club. And they made the decision to do what they'd done simply to impress all the believers. And so it doesn't really matter to me which uh, camp you're a part of. Whether you think they were believers or unbelievers doesn't really matter. What they were involved in was deception. In fact, uh, listen to the, how the scripture says this went, went down. And, and I'm in Acts 5 if you need. It's not going to be on the screen for you this morning. It says, but then a man named Ananias with the consent of his wife Sapphira sold some property. And with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back some of the money for himself and brought the remainder and laid it all at the, or laid it at the apostles' feet. Peter asked Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart so that you should lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back some of the money you got for the land? As long as it remained unsold, wasn't it yours to own? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? So how could you have thought of doing what you did? You didn't only lie to men, but you also lied to God. Uh, This couple intentionally attempts to deceive man 
But what was worse is they intentionally chose to try to deceive God. Uh, So I, I need you to understand and see what Peter says to them. It really isn't about the money. I know we get nervous in church because preachers talk about money. We'll talk about that later this year. But, but, but we think it's about the money. It had nothing to do with the money. It had to do with the truth. And so we see this happen. They intentionally lied to man and to God. As a side note, a side note I think it's pretty interesting that Ananias' name means Jehovah has been gracious. Let that sink in. The fact is, is that Ananias has experienced personally the graciousness of God and something happens in his heart and he, he forgets about the graciousness of God and he sins against God and he sins against the meaning of his own name simply because he and his wife were greedy. I think that's an interesting side note. So the issue here is deception. I, I, I watch a good bit of TV and I pay a special attention, I think sometimes, maybe too much attention to the commercials. There's a commercial that's playing right now that has grabbed my attention. I think it's hilarious. It's, uh, uh, the, 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 the scene is this. This lady is driving her van. She's carpooling to a meeting and they get a text. The guy behind her gets a text and it says the meeting is about to start. And she replies back, text, dear Susan, don't mess with my discount. You remember that? And then there's another scene where her husband is driving her to the hospital because she's about to have the baby in the car and he's trying to speed. And she's like, don't speed. Don't you dare mess with my discount, right? And then the little boy's the funniest one where he's in the back seat and he says, mommy, mommy, I need to go to the bathroom. And she says, hey, honey, mommy's holding it too. We're going we're, 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 we're gonna to get there, but we're not going to mess with mommy's discount. Okay, so y'all have seen that one, some of you. So... I laugh at that every time because I'm convinced that for most of us, our statement is very similar in life. It's this, don't mess with my deception. How many of us are involved in deception and we don't want anybody to mess with it? We know it's a deception. We have embraced it. We have in, we've even sometimes been intentional about it. We know that the word says in black and white that what we're doing or believing is wrong. But because we've listened to other people or because we've listened to our society or because we've allowed movie stars to speak into us as if they have spiritual insight or because we listen to certain Bible scholars, we take their word over God's word simply because we don't want anyone to mess with our deception I'm comfortable with my deception I'll accept it don't mess with me so we accept language and behavior and habits and pastimes and prejudices and ways of thinking and lifestyles and we aren't just deceived but worse we are often intentionally and in many cases delightfully deceived don't mess with my, de- my, my deception. I, I, I don't want to hear that little Bible thing. I, I read it. I know it says don't do this, but I'm comfortable with this. It's deception. Okay. Whew. So I'm going to repeat some statements. I, um, I won't give you the background as why I feel like I need to uh, repeat these uh, statements. But I think um, with the, just, I would just say this with a friend of mine that's going through something that led me back to these statements. And I thought, you know what? We have got to come to grips with, the, with this statement that I'm getting ready to make to you right now. You've got to get this. 
And that is simply this. The Holy Ghost will never lead you or guide you or speak to you in contradiction to the written word. Anything that you hear that contradicts the word is simply deception. That's it. That is it. I've said that to you on multiplied occasions, but I continue to watch believers embrace deception and become comfortable with deception and walk through life deceived, even though they've read in black and white that what they are doing is wrong. I didn't figure I'd get many amens this morning. See, I I really don't care how, how much you feel led to do it. I really don't care. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care what people affirm it. I don't care if a prophet comes along and takes a microphone and prophesies that uh, the rules apply to everybody else but you. Everybody else ought to, ought to live holy, but just, you get an exception. You can shack up. You can drink up. You can drug up. You can, you can live anyway, anybody but you. It, it doesn't apply to you, sweetheart, because I'm a prophet. You're an idiot is what you really are. You're prophesying. It's not true. If it contradicts the word, it is not true. You are deceived. Doesn't matter how many amens they get. Doesn't matter how many close advisors or people with wisdom assure you. I don't even care how many goosebumps you get when you make the decision that I'm going to go against God's word because somebody told me I could. Doesn't really matter. You're deceived. You're deceived. If you can find it in his word, you need to hear me this morning. If you can find it written in his word, then, it, then, then you don't need to find it in prayer. I, here's a, I, I'm a preacher with a microphone telling you, you don't even have to pray about it. If it's in the word, you don't have to pray about it. You, you don't have to find it in prophecy. So the question is this, it's not if what you heard is right. The, the question is, is whether it's in black and white. Come on. So the, the, the question is, are you willing to let the Word mess with your deception or not? Because if you're not willing to let the Word mess with your deception, then you might as well throw it all out and do whatever you want to do. Because yeah. I, I'm concerned because I see people running all over the place wanting to be believers so they get fire insurance so they can go to heaven, but they won't live by the same Word that, that showed them the path towards heaven. Okay, so, so the other thing I want to draw your attention to is that when we read about Ananias and Sapphira, we tend to focus on the killing. That's what scared me as a kid. That was the scary part. That, that the Holy Spirit killed them right in the middle of the church service. Boy, talk about keeping you from sleeping during the sermon. Talk, talk, talk about making you uh, adjust your worship just a little bit. The Holy Spirit killed them right smack dab in the middle of church. All right, I'm going to pray right now that the Holy Spirit of old... No, I'm just playing. All right. So, 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 but man, I was scared. I, I was scared. But, but I want you to notice something. The revelation about the Holy Ghost is not killing, it's uncovering. Uh, I, I, I want you to be real careful about establishing a doctrine on one verse of Scripture. Because I can't find, I, I, now I'm, I, I'm, maybe you're a better Bible scholar than I am, I, but I haven't been able to find another instance where the Holy Ghost shows up at a church service and kills somebody. I, I may be wrong, so I don't want you to make a doctrine out of one passage. But what I do want us to do is recognize that out of this passage, it was put in there for a reason. 
that there is a revelation of the fact that the Holy Spirit is, is someone that reveals and that uncovers and that convicts. The, the revelation of the Holy Spirit in this account is this. He is revealed as a digger. He digs. That should cause us to strive for honesty before God and before man. We, we shouldn't allow ourselves any leeway of living in deception because we recognize that the Holy Spirit has been revealed as a digger. And, and I, hear, I want you to hear me this morning. If He dug into their lives, then we can rest assured that He is digging in our lives. If He is unwilling to let their deception remain buried, then He is just as committed to unearthing ours so that we will repent. I want you to hear me. Hear me loud and clear this morning. The Holy Ghost is still in the convicting business. That's what He does. That's His job description. We may even get into that in this series. I'm going to read to you about the Holy Spirit. That one of His job description statements is this. He is a convictor. That's what He does. So my question then is this. If He's still in the convicting business, are we still in the repenting business? Or are we so comfortable and so cocooned in our deception that we won't even allow the Holy Ghost to speak and to point out things to make us more like Jesus so that we will change, so that we will adjust, so that we will conform to the image of Christ. Uh, we must be aware that the Holy Spirit uncovers. My question is why? Why, why would the Holy Spirit uncover things? Why, why, would, why would a preacher on a Sunday morning pick up a microphone and say, we need to come back to the recognition that the Holy Spirit is an un, he's a digger, he's an uncoverer? Why, why even reference a verse of Scripture that most people are very uncomfortable with and don't, they just kind of pass over it? I'll just read Acts chapter 2. I'll skip over Acts chapter 5 because Acts chapter 5 is kind of scary. I don't like the fact that I, I went to church and somebody died. Right? But no, no, I don't. Why? Why is it important to understand that the Holy Spirit reveals? I want to read Acts chapter 5 verse 11 to you one more time. I want you to hear it in a different version. It says, By this time, the whole church, and in fact everyone who heard of these things, had a healthy respect for God. They knew, not, that they knew God was not to be trifled with. Maybe the real lesson is this, is that we need to come back as a church. Maybe as a group of believers, we need to come back to verse 11. Maybe we need to approach again a healthy respect and reverence for the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe as a group of believers we need to come back and understand by what we've read that he could do here that he could uncover. Maybe we ought to come back to verse 11 revelation of the Holy Spirit that when we pull into the parking lot he begins to dig on us and he begins to uncover things from us and we can't just go through the motions at church and get our worship on and go home and stay the same. Maybe we need to come back to grips with the fact that we revere him and we respect him and we don't mess with him and we don't, we don't hide things from him. Maybe, maybe as a group of believers that's what we need to hear but maybe also what ought to happen out of this and maybe what I'm praying for is that unbelievers will once again have a healthy respect for a God that can, can with one word okay um, maybe, maybe if we had uh, an Acts 5 11 revelation we would once again live differently behave differently, 
be more careful. But maybe this too. I, I, I recognize that as a young man, when I read Acts chapter 5 verse 11, I was so scared that I never finished reading beyond that. I'm a, come on now, as a teenager, when you read that God just flat out killed somebody right in the middle of church service and the guy next to you is like passing notes, you focus on killing, right? Kill him, right? I'm trying to pay attention here, but kill him, all right? So what happened is this, I, I, rec- I even recognized it this week, I never read verse 12. I, I stopped that. He killed them all. <laughs> he wiped them out, man. This is like movie scenes in Hollywood. They, they <laughs> ran in the middle of the service, dead, annihilated them, blood and gore everywhere. Not really, but as a teenager. But then I read verse 12. Listen to what it says. Maybe verse 11 should be connected to verse 12. In fact, let me read both to you without, without breaking them up. By this time, the whole church and, in fact, everyone who had heard of these things had a healthy respect for God. They knew God was not to be trifled with. Verse 11. Now, verse 12. Now, many signs and wonders were being performed by the apostles among the people who were gathered together in Solomon's colonnade. I want that to sink in. Because we disconnect the two. Can I submit to you this morning that perhaps if we came back to verse 11 where we had a healthy respect for God and we allowed him to uncover and dig things out of our lives and let the power of the Holy Spirit operate in us and convict us and reveal, maybe, maybe, just maybe, it would give birth to verse 12. Because, see, this is what, this is what I'm, I'm convinced of. I'm convinced that miracles are typically, not always, but typically miracles are birthed out of manners. And that power explodes out of proper perspective. And so, this morning, out of a, a proper reverence, this is what I'm praying for. I'm, I'm praying that, that we have a, a verse 11 revelation where we recognize that God is not a God to be trifled with. That, that the Holy Ghost has been sent to, to dig so that, so that we won't continue to walk through life deceived. And that we won't become comfortable in our deception. We won't try to justify our deception. We won't be intentional about our deception. We will allow the power of the Holy Ghost con- confirm what has been written in God's word and then out of that verse 12 when when we have that level of reverence for God again then maybe, just maybe, we will begin to see the signs and wonders begin to operate again. Maybe when we allow the Holy Spirit to dig the deception that is so ingrained in us that we come and we sit in church service after church service after church service and we never make any adjustments and we never let Him speak to us and we never let Him convict us and we never let Him change us. Then we run to the altar and ask for miracles and nothing happens because we wouldn't let Him uncover the deception of our life. Maybe if we had a holy reverence that when we run to the altar and say I need to be healed I need to be set free I need to be delivered I need to, I need a breakthrough I need revival maybe if when we came to the altar and asked for those things the first thing we said is I repent I repent of my deception I repent of doing things that go 
directly against your word. I repent of not allowing you to speak to me. I repent of not living like I should be living. I repent of my attitude. I repent of my language. I repent of my statements. I repent of my unbelief. Maybe if we operated like that, then all of a sudden, all over the place, signs and wonders. See, I, I have to ask you some questions this morning. Where are you intentionally deceived? Oh, I, listen, don't, don't, don't get this thing twisted. Deception is comfortable because you get to do what you wanted to do. How many of you have, have learned that most of the time all it really is, deception really is, is you finally doing what you wanted to do and justifying it and finding somebody to put their stamp of approval on it. I'll never forget. I'm not even going to tell you who it was. I will never forget a counseling session we did years and years ago. Julie and I, I just came back to my mind where this guy and this girl were shacking up together. They came to us and asked us in the counseling session if we would approve it. All they wanted us to do was say it was okay. And I just kept taking them back to the Word. I was just like, hey, the Word says not to do this, not to do this. Yeah, but we're, we're different. No, you're not. Yeah, but we, we love each other. Okay, but the Word says... Don't do this. Yeah, but we really love one another. This one's going to work. Red flag. This one. We finally, I just finally looked at him. Julio tested this because I'm, I'm a great counselor. <laughs> I just finally looked at him and I said, this meeting is over. It's over. I don't have anything else to tell you. And they kind of looked at me angrily. And, and I just said, what difference does what we tell you make if you won't even listen to the word? So they got mad and left the church. And now they're no longer together. And they hate each other. And they make it public on Facebook that they hate each other. Imagine that. But they were comfortable. Where are you intentionally deceived? Where are you comfortable in deception? So this is what I want to submit to you this morning. I want to ask you to do this. And we're going to spend a little bit of time this morning. I want you to let him dig out the deception. So that at the same time he can dig out sickness. Y'all, see, you got to connect verse 11 to verse 12. I, I, I want us to allow him to dig out our deception. So that he can also dig out anger. I want to allow him to deal with our deception so that he can dig out depression and attitudes and everything else that needs to be removed as well. well. Because if we will allow him to deal with our deception, then I believe he is willing to kill and slay and defeat the other things that have held us in bondage once we have a healthy perspective of the fact that the Holy Ghost should be revered and that he knows Uh Uh-oh, I just jacked with somebody really bad right now because you thought you'd hidden it from God and everybody. The Holy Ghost knows. He knows. Go back to the account. If you want to pull out some theology of the account, nobody knew what they were doing except the two of them. But when they got to church... Some of y'all scared to death right now. Some of y'all scared. I can see it's like... The Holy Ghost knows. And yet we want to act like God's not God anymore. And that we can deceive Him as, be, as good as we can, conce- can, de- can deceive everyone else. I just wanted to remind you this morning that the Holy Ghost is a digger. 
I want to allow him to dig in our lives so that there will be room for signs and wonders and miracles that we so desperately need. I could go around the room right now and name miracle after miracle that we need in this body. But may I submit to you this morning that if we continue to live deceived and comfortable in that deception, I'm not sure we'll see those signs or wonders. Father, I pray this morning that you would help us. I'm praying that you would speak to us. I pray that you would remind us of how powerful you really are. You know the hearts and the minds and the thoughts and the intentions of man. You know us. You know everything about us. You know what we show everybody else, but you also know what nobody else knows. And this morning I pray that we would come back to that Acts 5.11 revelation where we recognize that you are not to be trifled with and we may be comfortable in our deception and we may be delighted in our deception, but you know about it. You know it. And it does not matter how comfortable we are in it. If your word declares that it's wrong, then it is wrong. And I pray that you would shake us this morning and cause us to come back to this place where we're challenged to be more like you. Even if it requires us to make very difficult, costly, painful decisions. I pray that we would honor you and your word and the digging capacity that you have. I pray that we would be unable to come to a service like this and sit and and enjoy, but be unchanged and unchallenged. And so this morning, I pray that you would dig, 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 Dig in us, dig in us, dig in me. Any area of deception in my life, any area of untruthfulness in my life, dig in me. Dig in those that I'm speaking to right now. Dig in us, God. Dig in us. We want you to dig all that stuff out. So that we can also see verse 12 come to pass where signs and wonders and miracles and healings and breakthroughs and and, and all these great things take place simply because... We stood transparent and honest and open before you. I ask you to do what only you can do in these few moments that we have together today. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm not really afraid of the Holy Spirit like I was as a 10 or 11 year old boy when I read this account. I'm not really worried that he's going to walk down an aisle this morning and he's just going to strike somebody dead. I've never seen that happen. Don't believe we'll see it happen. I, I, I think it's the concept of deception and uncovering. So this morning, what I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to do is this, to walk down the aisle and kill you. What? thought you said he wouldn't do that no I mean different way of kill like bother you so bad that you can't live like you've been living anymore like make you so uncomfortable in the untruth that you've embraced that all of a sudden you're like I gotta I gotta fix this man I want to be blessed I want to be healed I want to see I want to see God use me I want to see Jesus use me but I recognize that I want the Holy Spirit to kill us this morning kill our deception this morning to dig on us 
And the only way I know to do that, and, I, and, and, and I'll just be straight up with you, this is a challenge because when you do multiple services, there are other people coming in. But we're going to take a little bit of time this morning. And I'm just going to ask you to come and find a place to pray. If you're here this morning, you say, Steve, I've got some deception that I need him to deal with him, deal with me about. I sense the digging of the Holy Spirit in my life. I've become comfortable with things that used to be th- things that he, he would talk to me about that I wasn't supposed to do anymore, but I've become comfortable in those things. If that's you, I want you to quickly come and step out and find a place to pray. We're going to give you about five or six minutes to just really seek the face of God and say, God, I need you to change me. I need you to dig this stuff out of me. And just let your pastor be the first one to get to the altar this morning. Amen. That that, that he can dig out the deception of my life, any deception in my life. Would you just, as they sing, would you just, would you just spend some time seeking his face and let him uncover you completely this morning?
your prayer. So, Father, what we're praying is this, is that you would uncover us. That the Holy Spirit would lay bare every area of our life, regardless of how comfortable we are with that area. We want to live and experience your glory and your power and your goodness and your grace. And we recognize this morning that can only take place when we allow the Holy Spirit to do his job which is to convict us. And so, Father, I pray this morning that as you dig out the things in our lives that need to be dug out, I just pray that as deception comes out, sickness would come out. And as deception comes out, anger would come out. And as deception comes out, depression would come out. And as deception is removed, fear would be removed. And I pray that as deception is is surgically removed out of our life, that at the same time, lack would be removed out of our life I pray that you would complete this uncovering thing by uncovering not only our deception but also uncover our need and I pray that faith would rise and that the power of the Holy Spirit would begin to operate and that many signs and wonders would follow those that believe they would follow us home they would follow us to work 
They would follow us to school. They would follow us to where we shop. They would follow us into the places that we frequent. I pray that everywhere we go, signs and wonders would follow us because we are people that are uncovered and we're clean. I pray that you would give us that kind of reverence and expectation as we move forward into what you're calling us to do. I ask you to accomplish this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, Pastor Andrew. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. 